Welcome to a brand new episode of the All Hoops Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Man, joined as always by my producer to the stars and co-host, Chris Brito. The regular season is officially in the books, so Chris and I will break down another disappointing Knicks season, plus we'll make our picks for the NBA play-in tournament. Before we get to all that, Chris, my friend, how are you? Hey, Stevie. Listen, happy to be here in another episode of the All Hoops Podcast. We thought this was going to be a much better season, but, you know, here we are watching the playoffs from our couches once again. Um, there's a lot of, there's a lot we need to get through with the team. I think we can obviously start with the coaching, the front office, but I just want to give a quick shout out to Obi and quickly who have been playing really well the last few weeks, you know, the season's lost, but I think we have some more cornerstone pieces with those two guys. Obi was a big question mark heading into the season. We only knew that he could like, you know, slam dunk. We didn't know if he had a three-point shot. But over the last few weeks, we really saw him like, you know, sort of show his offensive repertoire and quickly has shown that he could, you know, really lead an offense. So I think those are two really great bright spots heading into next season. Yeah, I think I really wish we had an opportunity to see those guys more. Like could you know when when the season was kind of lost, which you can make the debate about when that was, but I would say right around the trade deadline, you have thirty games to go. You're you know five, six, seven, eight games out of that playing spot for tenth. I thought it was time to to try something new, try the young guys. You know Alec Burks, I like a lot. He was our second best player in that playoffs last year behind Derrick Rose, but he's not a point guard, Chris. And Thibodeau continued to just give him those point guard minutes and was just unwilling to try something else. And for me, that's really frustrating because now we go into another offseason going, what the heck do we do at point guard? Is it Derrick Rose who missed most of the year? Is it Emmanuel Quickly who looked awesome that last two weeks of the year? But you're talking about a guy who barely played. He shot under 40% from the floor for the year. And I still question whether he can lead an offense. You know, I mean, he showed he could do it in the last two weeks of the year, but we see a lot of really weird things in the last two weeks of a year when teams just are checked out. Go look at what Austin Reeves put up Sunday night and you tell me if he's ready to lead an offense. Okay. He had a triple double with like 35 points, you know? So at this point, I'm really happy what we got to see with Toppin and quickly. I feel more optimistic that Toppin is a starting player in this league than quickly at the moment. But at the same time, we, I feel like we were robbed of that because if you're not going to make the playoffs, you at least should find out if your young players can play. And I think to your credit, I think a lot of the things that, you know, that the, the Knicks should be like called out on are, is the fact that, you know, this team had so many opportunities to show off what they had. I mean, Randall had a slump in the mid year where, you can make the argument that someone like Obi injecting him into the offense could have like inspired, you know, Randall to play better or, or, or make the argument that Obi should be a player that should be more involved in the offense. We shouldn't be waiting all the way till March and April to figure out that Obi has these offensive capabilities. And you're right. Like to, to a certain extent, like a lot of teams are checked out, 
But like, imagine Obi could be a player that we could have used a player like Obi is what I'm trying to say earlier in the absolutely, year. absolutely, and, and it's and, it's just a sh- it's such a such a shame. Yeah, yeah, and I think moving forward, I I I have to wonder who here has the most responsibility. I think we we've talked about it a lot. We think Thibodeau is probably the one who probably holds the most um, to bear here in terms of responsibility. Um, But I wonder if like the front office, right? You're putting this team together. You struck out with Kemba. Uh, Evan Fournier has proved to be exactly what his contract was supposed to be. He's a three-point shooter. He broke the Knicks record for most three-point shooters. Three point, um, three points made. Um, do they bear any of the responsibility too? I mean, put maybe telling Thibodeau, hey, like we need to see what these prospects are. Like, you know, play Jericho Sims more minutes. Maybe this means that we don't need to sign Mitch Robinson in the summer. But even then, I don't even think we had a clear answer with whether Jericho Sims is even a starter in this league. Um, we definitely didn't get that answer the question is is he it may be able backup and i don't know that answer either uh i I, fournier was fine i mean he definitely came on towards the end of the year uh his second half is startlingly better than his first half right he shot 39 percent from the floor as you said the most threes in a next season which to me is more sad than anything because like you go around and look at everybody else. Most teams have a guy who hit more than 241 threes in a year. I think the Nets record was like by Bogdanovich like five years ago. And he has, you know, at least, you know, about a hundred more. Right. So Fournier's fine. He's not a problem. I mean, Noel didn't play Rose didn't play. Um, they, they trade for, they trade for Cam Reddish, which I liked, you liked. And then immediately Thibodeau didn't play him. And then by the time he started to get minutes, when everybody got hurt, he got hurt himself. So we never really evaluated whether he's a guy who can play. And now he's a guy who is going to get his con. You know, he's got up for a contract extension. We can't give him anything because he probably said I'm worth starter minutes and we didn't give him starter minutes. So you can't evaluate him either. So I think Thibodeau to me is the, the worst to blame here because injuries happen. Performances go up and down. Right. But at the end of the day, we have more questions and answers about this Nick team. And if you're going to be out of the race for as long as they were, you need to solve those answers. You need to be able to say, we at least have a understanding of who the guys we have internally are. So we know what we need to go out and spend money on this, this summer. Yeah. And unfortunately, because those questions aren't answered now we're in a, in a whole contract mess because you know, as you mentioned, Mitch is going to be a free agent. Uh, we could make decisions on RJ Barrett this offseason. He's a restricted free agent. So, unfortunately, with this team, you're, you're like, this might be the most important offseason in recent history. Um, last year, we said the same thing. But this year, more importantly, like, either, either you're going to build a team that's going to be, like, geared toward the playoffs next year or you're going to settle into the um perpetual no man's land which is playing and below um and right now i think this team isn't really anywhere yeah and by anywhere i 
don't know if they're a bad team. I don't know if they're a mediocre team. And they're probably a mediocre team, actually. They're, but... the, they're the best team of the lottery teams. They're the, they're the, the, they're the best record of any team that basically didn't make the play. And that's the worst place you want to be. Yeah. Um, I will say though, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want to turn this into, oh, this is a doom and gloom situation. This is not the same Knicks team from a few years ago where they were, we had nothing. We probably just had RJ Barrett and Mitch. We have pieces. I think that is the one thing that there is reason to be optimistic for. We have a somewhat competent free off uh, front office. We have, we have RJ Barrett, we have Mitch, we have quickly, we have uh, OB. Um, I think you're right. I do think you're right. And like, oh, sorry. One last thing to that. And despite what, how Randall's year was, okay, maybe we buy, I think the same strategy that we had last season, well, two seasons ago, because that was a good year should be what we implement for next season. So like have him build his value up and then we'll see what the, what we can get for him at the trade deadline next year. Yeah. I think the best way to do that is you have to find a point guard. You finally have to do it. You have to get a guy who can, you know, take a little bit of the burden off Barrett, take a little bit of the burden off of Julius Randle, get them the ball in spots where they can make plays. I think that would help both of them get their efficiency up, which I think is the name of the game here. A guy like Malcolm Brogdon, I don't think it's going to cost that much in a trade. Maybe you can get away with a salary filler and that Dallas pick next next summer. You know, do you go out and spend, you know, $20 million a year on a Jalen Brunson? That's a guy we both like. We're both a little scared of paying him. But, you know, there are guys out there. Or, you know, there are plenty of other guys on the trade market we can explore too. But we'll get to that at another time before uh, free agency begins. Let's talk about this NBA play-in tournament, Chris. We have. Uh, basically, we have Atlanta as a nine seed playing Charlotte 10, and the winner plays the loser of the seven seed Brooklyn, eight seeded Cavs. So we're going to start in the East. Who do you like to take the seven and eight spots? Well, I, I, I think it's harder to root against the Nets, even with everything that they've gone through this year. Um, the Nets just are getting all their pieces together right now. And I mean, as much as I would love for them not to make the playoffs, I just don't see that not happening. Uh, I, I'm probably also going to go with the Hawks. You can't sleep on the Hawks. I think the Hawks are just starting to figure it out like the last few weeks of the NBA season. Um, and yeah, I'm going to have to go with those two. Yeah, I totally agree. I think those are my two as well. Um, the Cavs had such a fun year and I think they have a really bright future, but at the same time, the Mobley injury couldn't have come at a worse time. I think he's going to play, but who knows what percentage he is. And then you have Jared Allen with the broken finger. I don't know where what his status is either. And, you know, those two guys really make that defense work. So without them, I'm going to take, I'm going to take Brooklyn there. And then Charlotte, same thing, missing Gordon Hayward. He's really makes that team go look at their record with him playing and then without him playing. And it's startling. So I'm going to take the, the Hawks there. And I think they'll upset the Cavs in a, that second think, game. So Nets and Hawks. Do you think, uh, really quickly, do you think the Hornets regret their contract for uh, with, with Hayward? That's a great question. I don't know. Because on one hand, 
he's shown that when he's healthy, they're a different team, right? But he's not healthy very often. And then you have to decide, okay, if you didn't bring him in for that kind of money, who would you have brought in instead? And I, nobody really jumps out that could have been a great fit for them if they didn't go out and get. Okay. But no, we'll see. I, I, it's no, all no, space. I see that for sure. Um, it's just, it's a shame that he, he had such a promising career after, uh, you know, before that injury in Boston that like. It, I mean, him think, in Utah was great. Yeah. All right. Let's hit over. Right. Let's. Uh, all right. Go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say, let's get to that West. Uh, we got number nine, New Orleans, number 10, San Antonio, and then uh, number seven, Minnesota, number eight, Clippers. So uh, who do you think here is going to make that run? I think Minnie and the Clippers make it. Um, I think it's just harder to root against the Clippers. They always just, they're such a scrappy team. And I think what a, what validation for Tyron Lue, right? Like, I think many people thought that, oh, just because he played with, just because he coached uh, the Cavaliers with LeBron James, that he wasn't a really good coach. But it just, he just compiled enough wins to get into the eighth seed. And now you're going to get Paul George back. So I think it's going to be those two teams. Yeah, I, I, once again, we're in alignment. We're not usually in agreement on all our picks, right? But we are today. Uh, Minnesota had a sneaky great year and I really believe that the Clippers whether Kawhi comes back or not are at least going to get to that playoffs first round and I refuse to accept a 36 win Pelican team can uh can get get to the playoffs (laughs) I mean I mean good for them though like they've they were also one of those teams where we didn't expect them to even like sniff the playoffs without Zion and now they're like almost building without him (laughs) in a way it's just it's just amazing to me that like they won 36 games and everyone feels good about them oh my god look what they did with that zion they made the plan whereas the knicks they win more games and it's like oh my god Thibodeau sucks including us and it's just well i mean they gotta change it to make it just top top 20 records top six whatever that number is east and west should not be a thing anymore well we can we can we i don't i don't know i don't know if that's gonna change ever but i will say though that the uh it's so strange to see the west not as powerful as the east anymore and like it just that's one that's one of my points right yeah. and then the second point is that expectations are everything i mean look at look at the lakers right the lakers had the they had championship aspirations and look at them now they're not even they're they're in what they're in Crazy. right now they they finished 33 and 49. And in the Knicks, you know, we thought they were going to make the playoffs. We were really sure they were going to make the playoffs. Yeah. And like, here they are. Yeah. I, I, I just think if you went to East, you got rid of East West, this final two weeks would have been much more interesting because the whole point of this playing tournament was to try to get more teams incentivized to win and to stay in it. But like the East and the West have been kind of sewed up top 10 records for at least a week, you know? Yeah. So I think if you made it so just, hey, top records, it, in- it increases the chances of something crazy happening in that last You, know what, I, you know what I wished? You know what I wished they did during the tournament, during the uh, NBA finals run in the bubble? I wish that would have been a good experiment to do all the teams without the conferences. Because yeah. 
you know, it would have, it, that would have like just made it easier because the whole, I think the argument against eradicating the conferences would be uh, the travel. Like imagine an East team having, having to go away for that many games. Yeah. And across two months or three months, like. I, no, that's a very good point. And, you know, you can unluckily get a bad draw and it happens. So uh, that's a very good point. I didn't really think of that. Um, in terms of this playing tournament, do you like this? It's been, this has been like what year three of it. We've seen great games. Nobody's debating that the games aren't great, but do you think this is good for the NBA? So I don't have a problem with the play. And I think the play and idea is great. And I still think you should keep it. I think the lull between the all-star break and the play in tournament is just awful. Like I obviously watch a lot of the games, but I felt a little bit more indifferent to it because I was very much into the college basketball. Um, you know, they don't really, they don't really like interfere with each other, but it just so happens to be like my enthusiasm level for, college basketball like far exceeded the NBA during the last few weeks especially with the Knicks not really being a factor to be in the playoffs I like it but it's just one of those things that like ideally I'd like to cut 20 games from the season but it's just not going to happen yeah I think a 72 game season is by the most games you should play but again as you said they're not going to change it they're not going to tweak it because there's too much money on the line and we shouldn't even bother wasting our breath with that but in terms of this plan, I just think we don't need to see more of the 34-win Spurs or the 36-win Pelicans. And as long as you're going to invite two-thirds of the league, you're always going to have teams like that in there. So I just think it hurts the product. Um, we saw it in the NFL that those two-seven matchups were horrible. You're going to see it again. Baseball added another playoff team. There's just too much money in it. So you ha- they, They're all thinking it's a no-brainer, but it does hurt the product. Again, it's only a couple of days. These games will be good. I just think it hurts, you know, the regular season to a degree. I I am I actually disagree with you. I don't think it hurts the regular season. Let me rephrase that. I don't think it has an impact on the regular season. Like if the playoffs started tomorrow or instead of the play-in, we'd still be having the same argument about whether like these playoff teams should be in or not, you know? Yeah. Whereas the problem really isn't the fact that the season's too long. And that's just the problem that I don't think. I, th- I think you're right. I think that's the bigger issue than the play-in for sure. Um, but yeah, let's, uh, let's get to our final thoughts right after this. All right, Chris, final thoughts time here. Leon Rose, he is talking to the media, but he's only talking to the MSG version of the media. Uh, some reporters we follow and like don't like that very much. Do we care that Leon only talks you know, to a selected group of reporters once a year? I mean, listen, I'm my day job sort of like morally, like to me, ethic, ethically, it's just one of those things where like you're in a position of power. I think that you owe your fans uh, explanations as to like your decisions Fans have no problem investing money into your product. I think the fans deserve unchecked question and un- unchecked questions that probably need to be answered. It doesn't really matter what the answer is. You just need to answer them, right? Like I think I think fans listen, I think most fans may be apathetic to this, but 
I think there's something to be said that like you're not showing your face to confront these questions and it may not be a big deal for a lot of them but I think the overarching issue is that you know people are spending money and like I don't think it's 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 not okay to just hide behind the curtain the iron curtain you know yeah, I'm, I'm very conflicted on this because while I do agree that he should speak, um, we've, we've heard New York executives do this before and they kind of put a foot in their mouth and then we say, why would you say that? Why would you even talk? So it's like we hear them both ways where it's, you know, one, you know we're big Giant fans. Dave Gettleman would come out and speak a lot and we would say, how is this guy head of a football organization? So it's kind of tough to have it both ways, but I do agree he should at least speak once a year to any national reporter, New York reporter who wants to be there. I don't think that's asking too much. Um, we've, I, whenever I think of these kind of things, I always think of when Dolan made Scott Perry and uh, Steve Mills pushed them out after a loss to the Cavaliers and basically talked to everybody about how upset they were. And they looked like they were hostages the way they were up there. And I wonder if Leon Rose, who's been involved in this organization for a long time now with, you know, ripping a lot of CAA guys, I wonder if he was like, if I'm going to come here and do this, you're not making me do anything like that. So I'm curious how this thing played out from the beginning, but I still trust Leon Rose. I think he's going to do a good job. They did not have a good offseason last year. You can't say they did, but I do have faith that, you know, his, the way he maneuvers in drafts, I think his draft picks have been very good, that I do trust him to get this done, even if he weirdly won't talk to the media. Yeah, I mean, I'm inclined to trust him for now, uh, but I still think that it raises sort of levels of concern that like, but why aren't you talking if there's no... It is weird. It's weird. Like, either I'm led to believe that maybe he's not like a sort of public persona who just doesn't fare well in, in, in the whole, like speaking to the public sort of idea, but I don't know. You need to be the fate. If, if, if you want the success attached to it, you also need to be attached to the losses too. And you, I don't think you should get it both ways, but it may be a moot point. Yeah. It's, it's just weird. That's, I think that's the best way I would describe it. It, it's not something we've really seen around here too often. Even when like Phil Jackson was the president, he was talking a lot. He was all over Twitter, obviously, but he was, he was talking a lot. And, you know, we've had the Steve Mills and Scott Perry now with Leon Rose. It's, it's odd. And I, I hope we hear from him maybe after the draft, you know, tell us about the draft picks, tell us about free agency, tell us about, you know, anything that he can maybe after the off season, that's fine with us too, but he should speak. Uh, we talked about Barrett and Mitchell Robinson contract talks. Those are going to be really interesting. Mitchell Robinson, the unrestricted free agent, Barrett, a restricted free agent next summer. They might have a little more money to spend on those guys. than we originally thought as finally Joakim Noah, his contract is off the books, Chris, the, the stretch and, and wave is done. I mean, I never thought this day would come, but here we are, and we can rejoice now. But in some ways, we're still living in the nightmare that was that contract because we are reliving it in different ways now. I think Julius Randle's contract is something that's going to haunt us if he doesn't improve. 
Nerland's Noel, while isn't that much money, is another one that comes to mind. Luckily, he's only one more year. It's just this upcoming year for him and Kemba Walker. They have team options. Noel has a team option after that, so that shouldn't be too bad. But real quick with with Noah, he made $6.4 million this year. That's more than Toppin, Quickly, and Mitchell Robinson combined. (laughs) Crazy. Yeah, yeah. Well... Listen, I'm hope so far this front office has shown to make good decisions. Right now, I'm going to put it kindly that the Randall decision and the Noel decision are big TBDs. Yes, Toppin actually made five million this year, so we're not don't count him with the Noah combined thing. But still, that's a crazy amount of money for a guy who hasn't played in many years. And if you look around the league, you know. Uh, Luol Dang with the Lakers, his contract finally came off the board. He hasn't played three years. You know, there, there's a bunch of guys like that. And uh, that summer of 2016 was people spent like drunken sailors. And I wonder if we'll ever see something like that again. I would, at least I hope the Knicks don't. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anything else, Chris, you want to talk about before we wrap up the show? Um, yeah, I think since our last episode, I finished the uh, Charles Oakley memoir. And I thought that was a fantastic read. I don't know if, I don't know if you'd be into that, Steve, but like what um, Oakley's like interactions with Charles with uh, with Dolan stood out to me a lot. And I think there was a narrative that MSG and Dolan put out about how Oakley was 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 drunk that day and whatever, whatever. Oakley said he didn't even drink that night, (laughs) but it's just the lengths that the. Dolan and his and his soldiers, you know, put out in order for like to to tarnish someone's reputation. That's like, that's crazy. But but on the contrast, he can change so quickly if you just praise him. I mean, look at Latrell Sprewell. Latrell Sprewell and him did not get along for many years, and I I believe it was last night's last night's show. Um. Last night's game, my bad, uh, against the uh, Raptors. the Raptors. Yes, um, Latrell Sprewell was there again, and like a few years ago, you have never would have seen Sprewell on the court with the Knicks. So it's just one of those things that, like, it makes you think about this owner who has has been in charge of this team for a very long time, and like, you know, the lengths that he goes to so that people don't, you know, it's just like a. He, He's just like, like a, he reminds me of like a Napoleon sort of complex where this man is like, I don't know. The book was fantastic. I recommend it. Um, it just really illuminates the whole like tenure with the Knicks in the nineties for Oakley. And like, I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, I remember there was that fan letter, some, some diehard fan basically said he can't root for this team anymore. He's been too much Dolan the last, you know, 10, 15 years. And Dolan wrote him back this horrible letter saying, like, why would you say something so mean? You're probably an alcoholic. Never seeing the guy, never meeting the guy. Just a guy wrote a letter because he's a passionate fan. And, but, you know, and, and, mind, you, and mind you, Steve, um, you know, Dolan had his, had his own issues with the rehab. I mean, he's, he was in rehab. And, like, you know, who knows how he's doing with that whole process. But, like, 
You can't be accusing people of being alcoholics it's, or not alcoholics. It's insane, dude. It's insane. And it, the worst part, to me, the worst part about being a Nick fan is we need him to be successful. That is the worst thing to me because that's just where we're at. You know, you need the owner to make good decisions and hire the right people and hopefully get out of the way. And that's where we're at with Leon Rose and Leon we trust, we hope. And uh, it's going to be a very interesting offseason here for the Knicks. Yeah, and and just to, to to put a nail in that coffin, like it just really makes you think that like okay, the team was actually good twenty years ago, twenty two years ago, and like we are just not. And this man is probably the biggest culprit of that whole thing. Oh, for anyway, sure. I, anyway, I found the book very illuminating. I'm I'm reading right now, uh, Mermfader's uh, Giannis book fantastic read as well like makes you appreciate Giannis on a whole new level we will talk about Giannis and the Milwaukee Bucks and the rest of the playoffs in a couple of days after we break down these uh these playing games so that's going to do it for us here on all hoops we'll be back very soon best time of the year the NBA playoffs are upon us